Eve's Guide for Regular Guys. Tips and advice on developing confidence, embracing your style, and attracting the love and sex you want. Hello there. Thanks for joining me again for another episode of The Guide. Not Hitchhiker's Guide. I should really call it by its full name just to be clear. Eve's Guide for Regular Guys. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're doing well and hope you had a good week. I know there was the dreaded V-Day in there, but hopefully I helped you out a little bit with that. If you listen to my audios, I hope it picked you up a little bit. And I hope you're remembering the things that we've talked about up to this point. This is a kind of a long-term work-in-progress type thing, and for things to improve, I, I think you have to make deliberate choices every day, and actively try to think about yourself in a new way. So I hope you're doing that. Okay, so what's interesting about this episode is that I know there are some guys who will press play on this audio in order to listen with a smug sort of, oh, this should be good, kind of um, bitterness. These are the guys who are miserably resentful of the friend zone and who really only want to hear confirmation of their belief that all the hot girls in the world routinely keep men that they aren't attracted to, dangling in perpetual hope. You know, guys that they will never, ever, ever have sex with, but whom they like to have around as besties. Callous, cruel girls who don't care how much they're torturing these poor guys, even while pouring their hearts out to them and telling them how wonderful they are. Then there's another kind of guy, the guy who would love to believe that there's some magic cure for the friend zone, that someone, me in this case, actually has an answer for how to escape from this cursed zone of frustration. These are the guys that they put up with being friends with girls, but who wish just once they could somehow make that leap from friends to lovers. Now I'm hoping at this point that you are neither of these guys. I hope that you're interested in hearing a woman's perspective on this subject and that you know that any insights I have for you are just things I want you to think about. And I really hope after this episode that you'll think of the friend zone a little differently. How the very concept of it is pretty selfish and kind of manipulative. So it may be something you want to get rid of from your, from your vocabulary. Anyway, the friend zone, the term that leaves a slightly bitter taste in the mouth the uh, exile that a lot of men suffer, living in the warm glow of a shining female star, but never able to get too close, and being very frustrated by it. I, I mean, I know, I know there's a lot of frustration about this, and that some men do feel a bitterness I talked about, that resentment of women for essentially not giving them sex or romantic love. There are guys who describe themselves as involuntarily celibate, you know, which implies an attitude that, that women are denying them the right to have sex, kind of. And and I'm assuming that they feel this way because they've seen millions and millions of photos and videos of women having sex seemingly without a care in the world, doing porn, doing all kinds of things, not caring with whom, or at least that's the way it seems. These guys also see lots of girls around them going out with lots of guys, and they feel as though they're being forcibly left out made celibate by force kind of thing, especially if they are in some girl's friend zone. Now increasingly these guys are starting to feel and act like women have for decades. They're starting to, to feel body conscious. Men seem to be just as secure now as women are about their looks, feeling like if they don't hit the gym for a few hours a day, if they aren't tall and handsome and ruggedly masculine, or if they aren't wealthy or famous, they'll simply never get a woman interested in them. They'll be relegated to the role of friend only forever. Now, you know I've spoken a great deal about what I think it takes to attract a woman, and how it's clearly not a requirement that you have a six-pack or six million dollars, so I'm not going to go into all of that in too much detail. I'll discuss a couple of key points a little later, but I mostly want to talk about the friend zone specifically. I want to address this subject because there's a lot to say about it. But before I do, don't worry, I'm not going to say that you should just be glad to be someone's friend. 
and that you're wrong to to dismiss or downplay friendship, all that other stuff you've probably heard before. I'm not going to say it because, well, you've heard it before. You You know it already. You know that you really shouldn't complain about having a friend. But I also know that guilting yourself into looking at this the, quote, proper way isn't going to help. It's just not the way we work, you know, especially if you're really eager for a relationship and you're frustrated by your platonic friend, even if you're glad to have them as friends. This isn't going to be about telling you that you should be happy with what you've got, okay? <laughs> I get it. I do. I get it. It may come as a surprise to you, but women find themselves in the friend zone too, quite a bit. I've been completely gaga over guys who saw me only as a friend or, for whatever reason, weren't interested in pursuing any kind of relationship, and it really did hurt. So I know what it feels like. If someone had tried to tell me that I should just be grateful he was my friend, and I shouldn't feel hurt that he didn't want me sexually, well, you know, I know how impossible that would have been. You feel what you feel, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. The only real difference, I think, between men and women and their respective friend zones is that I think it's far more common for women to be friends with men that they aren't sexually interested in. I think um, a lot of guys, unfortunately, don't have much use for women they don't find attractive. They just don't want to waste their time hanging around her. It's, it sounds harsh, I know, but in my experience, it's true. If a guy isn't into you sexually, he's not really that interested in friendship. Generally speaking, of course, generally speaking, <laughs> there are obvious exceptions, and maybe this is changing. I, I really hope it is. Friendship between the sexes can be really rewarding. But I think it's still pretty common for guys to just completely avoid women that they aren't attracted to. And a woman in a guy's friend zone doesn't have nearly the kind of hope that, that one day he'll wake up and see how awesome she is, you know? <laughs> Maybe we're just more realistic. I don't know. But in a sense, the friend zone doesn't really exist between men and women. It's usually only between women and men. And I'll get to that more why in a minute. Anyway, getting back to the main point. I wanted to give you some thoughts on why the friend zone exists, and I think at this point it's important to define what what we're really talking about here when we say the friend zone, which is probably just a play on the end zone from football, I think. But anyway, <laughs> it's not just friendship. Okay, let's be very clear about this. We would just say that if it was about friendship. We would just say, I'm her friend, you know, and be done with it. She's my friend. He's my friend. Whatever. The friend zone is something more. You're her friend, sort of, but only because she doesn't want it to be more than that. And you do. You want to have sex with her or have a relationship with her, in other words. And while she likes you and enjoys your company, she doesn't return those feelings. So you feel as though she's pushed you out of her inner circle to the outer friend zone where you can hang out with her, but nothing more will ever happen. And the reason you stay in this friend zone is because you're kind of hoping something will happen, even beyond having any reason <laughs> for such hope. You remain in this relationship because you like being around her, you're hoping and kind of waiting for something to change. In other words, you're kind of waiting her out. And sex is sort of always on your mind. Now, there are, of course, situations where you really are okay with just being her friend, but that's going back to what I said before. That's friendship. That's healthy and normal. Remember that we're talking about the concept of the, quote, friend zone here. And so if you remain friends with a woman you're hot for, because you're hot for her, and secretly hope you might have a chance somehow, someday, this is friend zone time. Okay, I think before we try to understand the whole concept of the friend zone, it's really important to remember one of the key differences between men and women. I mean, for most things, men and women are pretty much the same. But there are one or two areas where I believe we really are different and, and very different. And one of these things, one of these big differences, is in our attitudes to sex and our sex drives. Men, in general, seem to have a much more desperate need for sex. I don't know why, beyond the, beyond the obvious biology of higher testosterone levels, much, much higher, 
But whatever the reason, we women don't want sex with nearly the kind of almost compulsive desperation that you seem to. And this is key. To you, sex seems to be almost everything, especially for young men. You want and need sex so desperately, it almost becomes the focus of your life. There really isn't anything more important, uh, with the possible exception of your actual life, and well, even that's debatable. <laughs> and if you're, if you're a straight guy, you want women. You see women, you find attractive, and you want them. It's, it's that simple. And I want to make sure this is clear before we go any further. I'm not criticizing you, judging you, insulting you, putting you down in any way. I love men. I love how horny and romantic and sexy you are. I have no issue with your biological drives <laughs> whatsoever. I'm just observing something about you and calling your attention to it with no bad intentions. I hope that's clear. Now, it's not like this. For women, we're not like this. Okay? I mean, as a woman, it's kind of hard to describe my, my sex drive. I mean, I seem to be a little more open and comfortable with it than, than many women are. But in general, I think the simplest way I can put it is that aside from some, some general horniness, hormonal horniness, now and then, especially around ovulation, um, my interest in sex is situational. I see or or meet a man that I'm sort of attracted to. I develop further interest in him for various reasons, and if the circumstances seem right, I find myself more and more attracted to him, to the point where I would be interested in having sex. I'm trying to put this as, as clinically <laughs> as possible, just so you know. Um, in other words, a lot of things have to happen for me to get to the point of wanting sex beyond just feeling vaguely horny. And that's not even considering whether I'm the kind of woman who needs some kind of relationship in order to want to have sex, which is true for a lot of women. I'm just talking about the pure lust stage. Even just pure attraction alone, for me and for a lot of women, takes a bit of convincing. Now, obviously, I can't speak for all women, but the women I've known generally seem to follow this kind of process as well. In my experience, women are rarely, if ever, so driven by a need to have sex that we'll go out prowling for it. We're so desperate to have it at all costs. And since we aren't desperate for it, since our desire for sex can be much less intense, we can fine-tune what we want and hold out for it. It's not that big a deal for us. I guess the best analogy would be <laughs> the difference between being pleasantly hungry and looking forward to a good meal and having not eaten for three days, being so starving, you'd eat almost anything. You have to understand this difference before you can ever fully appreciate things like the friend zone, or why it seems so hard to find a woman willing to be with you. We have a sex drive, yes, we want sex and romance, yes, and, and yes, we have standards and things we are attracted to, just like you are, but we are not as driven to have sex for its own sake as you seem to be. Now, part of the reason for this, and this is something else I, I want you to think about, it's pretty important. Maybe you can't fully appreciate this if you're not a woman, but there are very good reasons why we are more cautious about getting involved with men. Sex itself is a bit different for us than it is for you. I mean, aside from obvious worries about pregnancies and STDs and all that, there's a huge stigma in the world about sexual women sluts, whores, tramps, all that kind of stuff, you know. We have to be careful about our sexuality because using it is so often damaging, both physically and emotionally. In some places in the world, it's deadly. We have to be aware that because of sex shame, many men will want to have sex with us and then never want to see us again, you know, almost the second it's over. It's like Charlie Sheen famously said once, you don't pay a prostitute to have sex with you. You pay her to leave. Now, we also have to be aware of sexual violence. Men can hurt us physically. And letting a man actually penetrate your body is taking a bit of a risk. I don't care what situation you're in. You have to trust that this man won't hurt you. You have to trust that he doesn't enjoy, you know, beating up women or, you know, you have to trust that he won't force himself on you. Um, 
or that he'll stop when you ask him to. And increasingly these days, um, with the new phenomenon of stealthing, maybe you've heard of this, we have to trust that he won't secretly remove the condom during sex. We have to be aware that uh, men can and do try to trick us, lie to us, even drug us just to have sex with our bodies. And we have to be aware that being asleep or drunk is no barrier for some guys. You know, that our bodies are a bit of a target for a lot of unscrupulous guys. And without getting too heavy or depressing here, please keep in mind that many women have been sexually abused, molested, assaulted, or raped, both as children and adults. So, you know, sex for women can be a complicated emotional issue and not something that we're too eager to leap into casually, even with someone that we might find attractive. I'm not saying that men don't have some of these issues too. I know that men can be victims and can have abuse issues and all that sort of thing. I'm just saying that in general, it seems to be, at least in my experience, it's much more common among women. So just keep that in mind. Because when you add all this to the fact that sex is not as intense a drive for us as it is for you, you might start to see why the idea of having sex with just random dudes, you know, friends, neighbors, the UPS guy, anyone with a boner, really, just isn't all that appealing. You know, the orgasm that we might have, there's that other thing too, not all guys care whether a woman has an orgasm. The orgasm isn't worth all that, you know, especially when we can just use Mr. Vibrator, you know. So while you may be just aching for sex all the time, while you may want a loving relationship more than you want to breathe, it can be a bit different for us. We want sex and love too, but we're wary. We aren't as desperate for those things. We don't need it at all costs. And we're very aware that you do need it, sometimes seemingly at, at all costs, and we'll do almost anything to get it, including be our, quote, friend, which presents another problem for us. Let me describe this in the form of an analogy that I think you might be able to relate to. Analogies aren't always exactly spot on, but I think in this case, this one hits on some of the major points that I'm trying to make. So follow me with this one. <laughs> Imagine you won the lottery and everyone in your town knows it. Everyone. You can't hide it. Absolutely everyone <laughs> knows that now you're stinking rich. And one of the things you enjoy doing with your winnings is helping out your friends and your family. You buy them houses and cars, you pay for things, take them on trips, all that kind of thing. You like spending money on yourself, but you also enjoy sharing the wealth a little among those you love or for causes or charities that you admire, that kind of thing. You aren't just going to blow it all on stupid stuff, but you do like the idea of finding a good cause or someone who truly needs some help and giving them some money. But because everyone in your town now knows that you have all this money, you start noticing that everywhere you go, people are trying very hard to get your attention. You're standing in line at the grocery store, and the person that you don't know behind you tries to catch your eye and smile, or makes a dumb joke to try to get you to laugh, that kind of thing. People's faces light up when they see you, people you don't even know. They try to get you to go have coffee with them. You're just walking down the street, people come up to you and walk beside you, they fall into step and say things like, hey, how are you doing today? You know? People passing in cars honk and wave at you. You start getting kind of special treatment from store clerks and things, and you notice that also, at the same time, a lot of people around you kind of resent you now. They're jealous of you. They start putting you down and calling you names and making you feel bad if you, if you even hint that you're spending money. All the while, every single day, people are constantly pestering you, trying to get close to you. Now, sometimes at first, you're flattered by the attention, and you think people are actually just being friendly, or are genuinely interested in you. When they ask all about your life, or your hobbies and interests, when they act interested in the things that you like, you feel this warm, kind of pleasant sensation that you've met a new friend. You laugh and talk and joke and everything seems great, you know? When they start telling you about their job loss and their broken down car and how they wish they could afford to graduate, you know, you feel a surge of emotion and you offer them some money to help out. And some of these people accept your money and promise to stay in touch and you never see them again. 
After you've been hurt a few times this way, you start to become a little more guarded when people continue to come up to you, as they do every day. Hey, how you doing today? You know? <laughs> or they try to talk to you in line at the coffee shop. Everybody tries it as if it's the first time it's ever been tried on you. Everyone thinks they're the first person to have ever noticed you have money and that maybe they're the first person to have ever asked you how your day is going. <laughs> you're still polite, but you're much less likely to think, wow, this person really likes me. I, I may have made a new friend. Few people come right out and say, I'd like to get to know you in the hopes that you'll give me some money. But now you suspect this is the agenda that many people have. They make it clear in subtle little ways, and you're suddenly aware of how important money is to most people. And that when it's clear you have money, you're now a bit of a target. You don't feel that urgency about money, and you find it hard to remember sometimes that other people are actually kind of desperate for it. You get robbed a couple of times. Nothing too major. You're at a party, you notice someone's been in your wallet and lifted a few bucks. But if you try to report it, the response is, well, was your wallet too inviting? Was it out in the open, just tempting someone to take it? Or you hear people snicker like a typical rich asshole holding out, no wonder you got robbed. Or, no, you can't flash all that money around and not expect someone to try to take it, come on. And someone tries to steal your car, you know, and then you swear you hear someone prowling around your house one night, and you start to get a little scared. But people say you're just overreacting, and you're being unfair, thinking that everybody is trying to get something from you. Pretty soon, most of your email and social media starts to fill up with scam attempts or people trying to get your attention, hoping you'll give them money, and you find it more and more difficult to trust anyone who approaches you online. And a few con artists target you and try to trick you out of your money. And when you do meet people you like and you do feel the urge to help them financially, you're a bit cautious about doing so now because you've learned people will take your money and vanish. They don't really care about you at all. You've learned people will keep wanting more and more from you all the time. You've learned people will lie to you to get it. They'll scam you to get it. They'll try to cheat you out of it or outright take it against your will. You've learned that money can ruin a friendship. You've learned that some people actually hate you for having money, that it goes beyond pure jealousy. They're bitterly resentful of anyone having money when they don't. They think it's unfair that you get all this attention and have such a great life, all because you were lucky and won the lottery. You can't help but notice this very odd dichotomy in the world. People hate money, but everybody wants it and needs it. They despise it. They think it's evil. They think it's shameful and horrible. But they all desperately want it at the same time. And you represent money to them. You have it. So they both despise and desperately want you. And it's a hard seesaw to, to balance on. Now, after going through all this, after learning your lessons and becoming a bit more jaded, you start to wear headphones when you're walking down the street. You know, you learn not to respond when some random person just starts trying to talk to you and, hey, how you doing today? You, know? <laughs> you ignore most social media and email. When someone says, hey, congratulations on winning the lottery, that's amazing. You just smile politely or you say thank you, almost in automatic mode because you've heard it a hundred million times and you no longer trust its sincerity. You learn not to talk about money with your close friends. You try to focus on things that don't involve money, just so you can have a bit of a break from it. And if you have a friend who doesn't want money from you, or you think doesn't want it, you cherish that person until they start hinting that they would really like to have some of your money, you know. If only you'd consider them worthy of it. And when you politely say that you don't want to give them any money because you just want to be friends without money coming into it, they pretend they're fine with it that they really do like you just for your company, but you become aware that they're, they're kind of just hanging around hoping you'll change your mind. Now, when you meet someone you really like, and the subject of spending money on them comes up in a natural way, now you're kind of insecure about it. You're going to help them out. You want to. You really want to. But you just don't know for sure if you're going to get hurt. You keep hoping. But this time, you've met someone on whom you can freely and happily spend your money because they're a true friend and would like you even if you're broke. But it can take a long time to build trust, especially if over time 
your wealth diminishes and your new friend finds someone with more money to take your place. <laughs> okay, that was a bit long, but if you, <laughs> I think you see where I'm going with this. If you substitute sex appeal, sex or beauty for money or winning a lottery in this, in this scenario, I think you can see what I'm getting at here. This is why women aren't just throwing themselves into bed with every random guy they meet. This is why casual friends with benefits isn't as compelling an idea for most women as it seems to be for most men. There are exceptions, of course, and each new generation coming up has their own standards for sexual behavior. But in general, this is why most women are hesitant to just hook up or have sex or give you what you so desperately need. That's another reason why um, threesomes with two women are much more of a male fantasy than they are for females, because it couldn't be clearer that this is just sex for sex sake for you. This is just pure physical pleasure devoid of any other connection for you. And, you know, you might as well say, you know, it's, it's, it's quantity over quality, basically, is what you're saying in that case. Now, the reason I went into such detail explaining this is because I need you to understand that when a woman does want you as a friend, that really means something. It's not so much that you are her safe, unappealing best friend where there's no danger of sex. It's more that she finds a bit of sanctuary with you. She can enjoy male company without all that other stuff. She might find you very attractive, but for all the reasons I just outlined, she is relieved to have someone in her life that cares about her, who she cares about, who she trusts, that she knows will not pull any of that crap on her. Okay, so I can already hear some air protests, like, like, okay, fine, but if she feels so good around me, if she likes me so much, if she wants to meet someone like me, if she thinks I'm wonderful, why doesn't she want to take it further? I love her. I would be good to her. Why can't we get together? Why didn't she want me? You know, as I've said, <laughs> sexual attraction and relationships are a bit of a minefield for women. Remember, women generally know how ruinous sex can be to a friendship, and they're really hesitant to risk a good friendship for a fling, especially if they're not really sure whether this is just something you want as a one-night stand thing, if this is just recreation for you, you know, they don't really know. And then there's the obvious answer, which most men should at least try to empathize with. You can't choose to fall in love. You can't choose who you're going to be attracted to. I mean, does anyone truly understand all the mysteries of attraction and desire? Why two people become attached to each other, sexually, emotionally, intellectually and spiritually, it's, it's a question for the ages. You may have experienced this yourself at some point. You have a friend that you adore, someone you can count on, someone you like and trust and have fun with, someone you may even think is attractive, but there's just no spark there, and you don't know why. You even think, I should be in love with her, she's perfect, but you know you're not. You don't know why you're not in love with her, or why you don't want to have a sexual relationship, but you know there's nothing you can do to make yourself fall in love with her. It'll either happen or it won't. It's kind of like your ex, you know, maybe you're getting along okay with your ex, and you know, but there's just so much water under the bridge there. You, you know that you're, you're never going to have that kind of relationship again, even if things are okay and you have a lot in common and you would actually be okay for each other. You just know it's not going to happen. Now, you probably also know this because sometimes you find yourself in love with the worst person for you. Someone who hurts you, makes you feel bad. Someone you don't trust. You wish you didn't love them, you know, but you're, you're drawn to them like a moth to the flame. You can't help it. You try to forget about them, but you just can't. I mean, no one, no one really understands the spark of attraction or love. It's just one of life's big mysteries. All the ingredients can be there, someone can be perfect for you, on paper, as they say, and yet they leave you cold. Some complete opposite to you, can, someone totally wrong for you, can set your heart on fire. The whole concept of Cupid, you know, the little chubby angel with the, <laughs> with the arrows from Roman mythology, was that of a capricious god who just shot random people <laughs> with his love arrows and made them fall in love. There was no escaping it. And, and Cupid had his own reasons for shooting the couples, but he certainly didn't let the couples know what it was. 
this myth sort of shows that even thousands of years ago, people recognized that falling in love is mysterious and sometimes all wrong. And they just ascribed it to a cheeky little god guy playing with the human race, you know? And we still keep that idea around because it still resonates with us. You know, love is blind and all that. If your female friend doesn't feel that spark of attraction for you, it's not your fault. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just not happening for her. She cares about you and wants you in her life, but she's not in love with you. And even she probably can't tell you why not. As you probably know from previous episodes, I have some theories about the nature of attraction in men and women, at least in general terms. Or, or rather, I guess I should say the differences between the sexes when it comes to what does spark attraction. You ready for this? Okay, here goes. <laughs> in general, I think men are attracted to women for being something. Women who just are something. They are beautiful, they are sexy, smart, funny, sweet, kind, all those things. And the second part is they're us it's usually to them, to the guy. So there's two parts to it. A woman being something to a man. Maybe not intentionally, but at least he's receiving it and perceiving it that way. She's beautiful to me. She's, she's funny to me. She's nice to me. She pays attention to me. This seems to be the thing that creates attraction. This is why a guy doesn't often care if a woman has money or status or fame, doesn't really care what she does for a living, that kind of stuff. If she just is something that affects him personally in a positive way, he's attracted. Women in general, I think, are the opposite. We are much more attracted to doing, a man doing something what he does for a living or a hobby, what he's, what he's interested in pursuing, what sports he plays, what music he plays, what art he creates, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, women are affected by good looks to a degree, but it's not nearly as important to us as it is to you, simply because we want a man for what he does, not what he is or what he simply looks like. Even if a woman likes a, a male model or a handsome movie star, remember that guy is doing something with his looks. He has become famous, famous enough for her to know who he is, right? He's become a model or an actor. He's doing something with his looks. A good looking guy who loafs around on the couch all day is much less popular with women than an average, an average looking guy who like plays in a band or, or does something cool, you know? And the second part of this is that what he does is almost entirely irrespective of her. It has little or nothing to do with her. He doesn't play in a band for her, you know, doesn't sing to her. He isn't a, a doctor or an architect or an artist for her, you know. His value isn't subjective or aimed right at her. It's objectively true, and it's something he does for himself or to advance his life. Often, the guys that women find the most attractive are the, are the ones who, quote, don't even know I exist. You've probably heard that before. I mean, we do want him to know we exist, to be loving and attentive and sweet and all that kind of stuff, once we've set our sights on him. But only after we've become attracted to him, not before. So in a nutshell, this is basically what it comes down to. A guy may want a girl who has ambition in her own career and interesting hobbies or talents, but usually only if... She meets the primary requirement of being beautiful and sexy to him first. If she isn't hot to you, then the other things don't really matter. And a woman may want a good-looking, sexy, totally loving guy with a six-pack and all that, but only if he meets the primary requirement of doing something impressive, irrespective of her, first. If he isn't impressive to her, the good-looking or adoring part doesn't really matter. You see how this is a problem? <laughs> At least for men, anyway. I mean, I'm willing to say that women understand men a bit better than men understand women. At least a little. We know that this is what you like about us, and so we know how to be beautiful, sexy, and loving to you. We know how to make you attracted to us, generally speaking, if that's what we want. But men, I don't think really understand women at all. Not usually. Men tend to apply the same things that work for them to, to women and then wonder why it doesn't work. 
because men want a beautiful, sexy, adoring woman to love them, they assume that women just want a beautiful, sexy, adoring man to love them. And if these guys can't be a hunk, you know, if they're not gorgeous, they figure, well, at least I can be adoring and loving, right? I mean, that doesn't work. They wrongly assume it's because they aren't hunky enough and they think it's all about the looks because it's mostly about looks for them, right? If it was reversed, it would be about looks for them, but they're missing the point. It's not that you aren't a hunk. It's that you're too adoring, too fawning, and you aren't independently doing something outside of her that impresses her. This is complicated, I know, but I'm trying my best to make it clear. Maybe you can see why just hanging around a girl and loving her up and doing things for her and adoring her and telling her how beautiful she is and just gazing at her with admiration, in essence, being her, her BFF and all that, isn't likely to make her fall for you. And that's why the, quote, asshole guy or the bad boy who has his own thing going on outside of her is so much more attractive to her, even though he's not the one here holding her while she cries or helping her move or editing her essay. And I know this is very frustrating for a lot of guys, especially those who, who don't consider themselves alpha males, you know, as wrong as that term is. Guys who, who don't have that same kind of sort of self-focused ambition or desire to go out and conquer the world, but they consider themselves loving and affectionate and kind. They think that just loving a woman should be enough. Just, just being a loving, snugly, affectionate person in her life should be enough because it's enough for them. That's what they want from her. And they assume that this is what she wants from a man, too. And when that doesn't work out for them, when a woman doesn't respond to their niceness or their hugs or their sweetness, at least not sexually, then they feel terrible about themselves. It's tough, I know, and, and these are just generalizations, but I'm simplifying these examples to try to express my point. See if you notice this yourself. Look at your situation or the examples around you and see if this resonates with you. Are you or, or is the friend zone guy that you know behaving towards her the way you would want a woman to behave towards you? Are you being sweet and funny and caring and kind and worrying about being physically attractive? You know, are you doing all these things and it's not really working because you're just kind of being, you know, too available, too sweet, too nice, too focused on her? And is the guy that she actually likes doing none of that? You know, is he just doing his own thing, almost unaware that she exists? Again, if you want a loving friendship with someone, None of what I said applies, okay? And sometimes these loving friendships can develop into something more. But if you're trying to make someone you know want you sexually and your attempts at loving friendship aren't working, this may provide some answers for you. Now, I know some men really don't want to hear this because they're, they're convinced that there's nothing about them that's impressive. Or they won't ever be an architect or a movie star or basketball player or wealthy or whatever, but remember how little it often takes to impress a woman. It's just a mild thing. You just have to mildly impress her. You don't have to be basketball star, movie star, you know, a billionaire. You don't have to. Just find things that you enjoy doing and are good at, even, even little things, and let yourself shine. You never know when a woman may be impressed by something you do. You know, maybe she, she'll be impressed that you can speak three languages or that you can drive like a stunt driver or you tell great jokes or, I don't know, you know a lot about trees or something. You take great pictures or whatever, you know? I mean, just off the top of my head, I know some men who dig up interesting things for metal detecting. Hi, Billy. Or they're learning to fly a helicopter. Hi, Tina. Or they're writing books, or they're into photography, or they draw, or they create 3D printed stuff, or they have a little fish that they're growing, or they have a crazy dog, or they're learning Irish. Yes, I'm looking at you, Charlie. It's Storm. I mean, like, I could go on and on. The point is, these guys stand out. They're doing something interesting, and that's impressive. That's all it takes. So think about it. What do you like to do? What are you good at? That a girl might look at and say, that's cool. <laughs> or I never saw that before, you know. Or how did you do that? Or how did you learn that? Or whatever. Okay, now moving on. I know many men think, oh, love, schmuff, you know, let's just get off with each other, right? 
<laughs> We're both horny. Goodbye. Let's go. And again, women don't often think this way for all the reasons I described. Some do. Yes, certainly. But a lot don't. They don't want to just get off with just anyone. So if they don't feel that spark, you know, that butterflies in the stomach thing for you, they're unlikely to want to risk their friendship with you for the sake of a, of a five-second orgasm, you know? And if you're in love with her, if you don't see it as a fuck-buddy situation, but you really do want to love her and have a relationship with her and she doesn't want it, well, honestly, I hate to say it, but, you know, welcome to the club. This is the bane of everyone's existence. This happens to absolutely everyone. We've all fallen for someone who doesn't want us. It's just a part of life. You're not being rejected. You're not unlovable. It's just that this person doesn't feel that spark for you the way you do for her. You may find this happens a lot in your life. Both men and women go through this all the time. It takes a while, sometimes a lot of luck, to find someone who is as into you <laughs> as you are into them. And one last thing. I, I want you to think about what the friend zone feels like for the girl. Just empathize for a minute. Remember my lottery scenario. She's very aware that all these guys around her are just being her friend because they want to have sex with her. Plain and simple. She knows that if she were to gain a hundred pounds or suddenly stop being attractive in some way, or if she, if she declared herself a virgin for life, you know, most of these so-called great friends would just disappear. She's acutely aware that these BFFs of hers are just kind of playing a waiting game, hoping that one day she'll change her mind and want sex with them. It's a, it's a very lonely, cynical feeling to know that most of your supposed friends are just sort of scheming, you know, trying to think of ways to convince you to have sex. It's lonely knowing that someone is completely focused on what you look like and, and your body and how it can pleasure them, and that finding you hot is the most important thing about you. Sometimes it's the only thing that matters to them at all. So my advice is don't be that guy. Don't be in anyone's friend zone. At least not if you're doing it because you hope one day fortune will smile on you and you know, you'll get your window. <laughs> in other words, be a woman's friend, even a, a woman you're crazy about, just to be her friend, just because she delights you and makes you happy because you are glad to have her in your life. Accept that right now she doesn't have any romantic interest in you for whatever reason, and this may never change. I mean, don't count on it changing, in other words. We all love the friends to lovers stories, and it does happen, and a lot of the best relationships are formed from friendships. But you can't hang around just waiting impatiently for that to happen, or hinting, or hoping, you know? Sometimes, yes, friends do fall in love. It's not impossible by any means. Some women do suddenly wake up one day and find themselves in love with a guy that they only thought of as a friend. I'm sure it happens for men, too. Just don't count on this happening. Don't be friends as a stepping stone to being more than friends. Friend is also, I just want to say, a bit of a nebulous term here, because some people think that any platonic acquaintance, you know, any relationship at all, um, any connection that doesn't involve sex or romance is friendship. It's up to you to decide what you consider a friend. But when I say that you shouldn't be friends with a woman you're hoping to seduce one day, what I mean is don't become her, her best friend, you know, BFFs that like do each other's nails every weekend and, you know, and, you know, share sob stories. Don't become someone's rock, someone's anchor, someone's trusted kindred spirit if all you really want is to take it further. Don't make her think that she has a kind of a soul brother in you now, only to find out that you secretly hope it turns sexual. Now, I don't mean you shouldn't try to get to know a woman you're attracted to. You absolutely should. If you're attracted to someone at work and you don't even know her name, of course it's a good idea to try to get to know her in a friendly way. I mean, that's a situation where you absolutely don't want to go up and say, hey, baby, you're hot. How about dinner tonight? You know, <laughs> of course, of course you want to find out if you have common interests, if she has a nice personality, if, if she seems to like you, that's that sort of thing. It's, it's definitely okay to casually know someone in a friendly way for a long time before you ask her out. But if you get the impression at any point that she doesn't feel an attraction to you, 
if she talks about other guys around you, asks for advice about a date she's going on, you know, she's, she's probably not feeling that spark for you. And you should either make your feelings known, as in ask her out yourself, you know, or decide whether you can accept being what you are now, just, just friends. If you can't, it's better if you pull back a bit, at least, you know, in my opinion, for, for both your sakes. Bottom line, if you're so crazy about a girl that you really can't just be friends with her, if that's what she wants, then you have to back off, for her sake and for yours. Because living with a constant reminder, even if it's subtle or subconscious, that you aren't boyfriend material, that a woman doesn't want you sexually, well, I think it sends yourself the wrong message. You need to feel like the sexy beast you are, you know? <laughs> And if you're around someone who doesn't make you feel that way, for whatever reason, you need to be kinder to yourself and get out of that situation. Okay, so what if you're already in the friend zone and it's making you miserable? Well, there are a couple things you can do. One option, of course, is to tell her how you feel. I know it's scary. I know. I know it's scary. Of course, I've been there too. I know. I know you think you might not have the gumption to do it, but if you choose the right time, you know, don't blurt it out in the middle of another conversation. <laughs> don't confess it dramatically while she's upset about her boyfriend. Don't do it while you're drunk. You know, but if you look for a conversational opening, if you just outright say, look, I want to talk to you about something kind of important. Can we meet at such and such place and have a talk? You might be surprised at how easy it is to get it off your chest. It is just possible that she feels the same way, or, or could feel the same way, but didn't know how you felt. And even if she doesn't return your feelings, even if she knows that you feel this way about her, but she just doesn't feel that way about you, at least you've been open and honest about how you feel, and you won't be carrying around this burden of secret love, which can just completely fester into, you know, this unbelievable, unrequited passion that can really <laughs> ruin your life. Trust me, I know about this. <laughs> um, my only caution here about telling her would be, only do this if you've had feelings for her for quite some time. Because sometimes people can be temporarily smitten with someone, and then it kind of fades. So if you've just developed a bit of a crush on a long-term friend, you know, you've had it for a week or two, you don't want to rush in and confess it all to her, you know? Let it sit for a while and see if you still feel this way after a few months or even longer. Another thing I want you to consider is a little more introspective, maybe. Ask yourself honestly why you are so attracted to someone who doesn't really seem romantically interested in you, or someone who's unattainable for whatever reason. Like she's your best friend's girlfriend or wife, or she's, she's lesbian or something, you know? Ask yourself if you're just pining for someone you can't have, because it gives you the flavor of being in love, the sensations and emotions, with none of the risks. Some people crave the excitement of unrequited love, mostly because the object of their affection can remain perfect that way, you know? You don't risk discovering the flawed human being underneath. You don't risk tarnishing her beauty or her sexiness with, with real-life problems or relationships. It's almost like practicing for being in love without all of the messiness and heartache that can come from actually being in a love relationship. Or maybe you're plagued with the modern epidemic of virginity panic. I wrote about this in a blog post yesterday because I've done a lot of advice audios and uh, erotic audios on this subject. It's just so important and it's so unbelievably common. So many men are in an, an almost panic state about not having had sex with a partner. It's become a bit pathological for some guys. They feel so bad about it. They feel like there's something wrong with them when nothing could be further from the truth. You just haven't had sex yet with a partner. That's all. It says nothing about your value as a person or as a man. It's just one of many experiences you haven't had yet, and which you will probably have at some point in your life. Anyway, my point is that sometimes men who have female friends are so desperate to cash in that dreaded V-card, you know, <laughs> they, that they look to those friends as a potential way to end their misery. This attractive girl who likes them, she's sitting right there, I mean, come on, we're alone, we're bored, we're single, we're, you know, you know I love you, come on, you know what I mean. 
you know what I mean. And these guys get frustrated because they feel like the Holy Grail is right there. And yet it's just beyond their grasp. They could shed this virgin burden in ten minutes right now, if only she'd let them. So, you know, consider if this might be happening to you. And if it is, please, please, please try to stop seeing virginity as some sort of shameful affliction. Please don't be in a hurry to just get rid of it. <laughs> no. And remember everything I said about women and how sex is often very different for us, right down to worrying about virginity. Not a lot of women worry about being a virgin at any age. Maybe it's just social conditioning. Maybe it's because women are respected and valued, generally, if they don't have sex. Whereas men are sort of expected to have sex, especially by a certain age. I don't really know, but the point is, please don't put yourself in the friend zone because you hope your friend will help you get rid of your virginity. You can also use the friend zone in a very constructive way. If you're friends with a woman that you want, and she doesn't want you the same way, use it as a chance to observe her behavior and the things that she says. Start to notice how a woman truly behaves around a man that she may like, but isn't into sexually. You can pick up on signals and signs and learn to spot the things that signify when a woman isn't interested. This can be really helpful down the road when you are meeting new women or you're in a relationship that's having trouble or might be ending. I mean, I know, I know it sounds kind of grim, but I'm very serious. It's important to learn how to read people that you'll be in intimate relationships with because things don't always go smoothly and you need to learn this stuff. You can also use it as a chance to visualize what you do want and learn what you want to avoid. It'll help you know right away the next time you meet a woman who isn't looking for a relationship. You won't waste your time trying to get close to her. And this may be the most important thing you can do if you're in the friend zone. Take advantage of being close to a woman. I mean, this is obvious, isn't it? Get her advice on everything. Everything from your clothes to your hair to your cologne to your jokes. I mean, take her shopping with you. Get a feminine eye to help you pick out clothes, all those kinds of things. Ask her for dating advice. Ask her what to do and what not to do. How You can even practice date her. You know, pretend you're on a date and then ask her for an honest critique afterwards. Just be prepared to hear what you did wrong. That can be kind of hard. But the point is, you have a big advantage over guys who don't have female friends. You have a woman who can guide you and help you and make it easier for you to meet a romantic partner. Have long talks with her. Tell her about your fears and concerns regarding women and sex. Get her opinion and advice. Ask her to be a matchmaker if she can and possibly introduce you to women that you might date. If she doesn't feel the constant pressure of this adoring friend who really just wants to have sex with her, she'll probably be very happy to help out someone she cares about. Okay, so however you want to deal with it, the main takeaway for this whole episode for you is that your friendships should not inspire bitterness, resentment, or feelings of inadequacy. Think about it this way. If she were a guy, you know, you wouldn't put up with these feelings. You wouldn't, you wouldn't endure this friendship. So don't do it just because she's a girl you're attracted to. Focus your energy on finding a romantic relationship with someone who is interested in you. Don't waste your time on someone who isn't. You can go from being friends to lovers with a woman, like I said. Just make sure you're actually friends, meaning you, you actually share common interests and that you have your own thing going on. And remember, <laughs> you're an attractive, interesting person worthy of love. And you're well on the way to finding it. See you next time. Bye for now.